electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC, Squawk on the Street. Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm David Faber with Leslie Picker. Jim and Carl both have the morning off. Let's let them figure this out. You can never tell where Brian's pointing. Let's give you a look at futures this morning. Uh, We can see kind of a mixed bag. Of course, we are coming off very strong days for the NASDAQ in particular. Uh, up, what, over 5% so far this week. Our roadmap, though, does start with something that could take certain tech stocks down. Snap, well, it's a warning. Its shares are plunging. Uh, Revenue growth is going to meaningfully slow in the months ahead, and that is pulling a lot of other ad-supported company stocks lower. Plus, shrugging off recession fears, American Express saying card members registered record spending driven by a rebound in travel and entertainment. And shares of Verizon also down in the pre-market this after yesterday as well with AT&T getting crushed. The company cutting its full year forecast. Phone subscriber growth, well, it was nowhere near what people had anticipated. Those people made the game analysts who follow the company. Let's start, though, with social media uh, company Snap this morning. Of course, those shares are tumbling after the company reported its weakest quarterly sales growth since going public. Twitter, by the way, also posting what was a surprise quarterly loss, a revenue decline there as well, both hurt by advertising. Obviously, you're not going to see Twitter trade on this because it trades on the likelihood of a deal. Elon Musk completing that $54.20 deal to acquire the company, but it doesn't make him any happier to watch how the business is performing. Let's start off, though, with Snap this morning. Uh, I mean, it is, you know, it's funny. I used to have these things called penguins that I had running off an iceberg. I did this 20-plus years ago. Many of our viewers remember it. We had this great music that they won't even let us use anymore. We have a record today, I think, of penguins. They represented analysts who at the last minute decided something is wrong. They jump off. We were originally looking for lemmings. We couldn't find them. Uh, Penguins are cuter. 13 downgrades today on this. And you can see some of them up there. You can barely fit them on the screen. I mean, the whole premise of Snap is disappearing things, right? So here you've got a lot of disappearing market cap throughout the the course of this year. And Bloomberg had the statistic that their results yesterday wiped out $76 billion just yesterday of social stocks, mostly in their own, I would presume, given the, the steep decline there. But now just a $27 billion market cap. They've had um, tremendous loss of value this year after two consecutive quarters of pretty disappointing results. But it's confusing, David. And I, I wanted to ask you about this because you, you compare these results and the concerns about the advertising slowdown and the macro environment. You kind of see that a little bit in Verizon and AT&T as well. Yep. But then you look at Amex's results. And they're like, everybody is spending. Our sales are up 32% this year. Yeah. So if everyone's spending, why isn't the advertising market holding up as well? Or is this something that advertising market is a leading indicator of what we could see in consumer spending to come? You know, uh, ads are obviously something that companies focus on uh, when they are thinking about a slowdown and say, well, what costs can we cut or what things could we potentially pull back on in future quarters? Ads is one of them. It's discretionary. Um, and you can, yeah, in a lot of ways, you can just choose not to buy now. You can go to a so-called scatter market, certainly when it comes to the more traditional uh, advertising market to some extent. 
Um, I mean, snap for its part in the letter. And by the way, they didn't, uh, to their credit, they didn't have one of those long speeches prior to the conference call. They just went into Q&A. But they gave you an investor letter, which is worth a read. Platform policy changes have upended more than a decade of advertising industry standards. That's relying, of course, largely to the changes at Apple. Then they cite macroeconomic challenges, which have disrupted many of the industry segments uh, that they say have been critical to the growing demand for their advertising solutions and increased competition for ad dollars. So all of it adding up to a very, very poor quarter for the company uh, in terms of revenue growth that had been anticipated and where it came in. It was a huge gap for what had been a growth name. You know, I wonder as well, though, on the competition side, what are they seeing from TikTok? Obviously, we all know, you know the, the behemoths out there, whether it's Amazon or YouTube, they're massive platforms as well on advertising and Facebook, all of which, by the way, uh, Meta is going to be down. Uh, we may Alphabet. see some weakness in Alphabet, um, and you can see it. And I want to take a look at some of the more traditional as well, Warner Brothers Discovery uh, and some of the others that rely on advertising uh, as well, uh, Leslie, because that is a question, but that's what companies typically will pull back on early when they are saying, well, let's Let's just be safe. Well, you've got that, and then you've got jobs as well, which is something that we've heard, um, you know, both from the likes of Twitter and Snap, also in their reports saying that they're going to dramatically slow the pace of hiring there. Those are kind of the first levers that you really pull because it's easier for discretionary spending purposes on that front. Twitter reporting um, in their uh, report that they're spending about $33 million um, on uh, deal-related costs, and then I think it was $19 million on severance for a lot of those executives that they let go as a result of all this. And then the uncertainty of the deal itself plaguing their business, because if you are an advertiser and you have spending, um, you know, you've got a finite pie. Yep. And if you're looking at Twitter, there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding this deal. They're saying that that caused a drop in revenue uh, for them, that that uncertainty, along with some of the macro challenges too. So if we look at Twitter's results, down as you mentioned, you know, 1.8%, not purely on fundamentals here, uh, but the more important read is kind of what the tea leaves in their report say about the overall sector. Exactly. I mean, again, it's just adding to the potential weakness uh, for some of these names. Um, obviously, we've talked a great deal about Twitter over the last few weeks. We will continue to. We don't have a trial date yet for October in the Chancery Court, but that's where our focus is going to be. That's where Elon Musk's focus is going to be, is the possibility that they will have some sort of talks about a settlement. Is it possible that board would be willing to accept a lower price? Perhaps, we don't know, We've heard nothing at this point. Seems early to even consider that. But that's what that stock is going to trade off of, uh, not anything beyond that. We've got to talk a lot more about that Verizon number as well. But let's uh, stick with Snap right now, sort of find out how this is going to reverberate through the market. Our next guest, lowering his price target. It had been uh, 25 bucks, it is now 20. But it still has a buy in the stock. Joining us now to discuss is uh, Jeffrey's uh, Brent Thill. Uh, Brent, give me, I mean, you know, you got a buy in the stock, but I can't imagine you're happy with this quarter. No, good morning, David. Uh, it was obviously an awful quarter. I think this is a sign uh, where we're at in the macro that many of the digital ad names are, are showing weakness. This isn't just a snap specific issue. Uh, Twitter's numbers were negative, obviously, in the quarter and will be probably even worse into Q3. Uh, Facebook has uh, announced uh, hiring freezes. Google uh, most likely will have a, a difficult quarter as well. So I think this is uh, a sign that we're entering a more difficult environment. Ad spend is the first thing you shut off in, in a more difficult environment. So yes, this is partly snaps specific, but I do think it's a, a broader uh, net that's catching a lot of these ad names uh, uh, off guard. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, always hard to know how long this is going to persist. And when it comes to Snap, the changes, obviously, at Apple in particular, what the impact there is. You know, I guess let me start with that. Are they are they dealing with that? Are we through that? Or can we can anticipate that future quarters are still going to feature, to a certain extent, a reduction in overall numbers as a result of those changes? Apple's still a hangover. Uh, we think that that is going to be uh, permanent, and it's going to take time for these companies to effectively re reconfigure their systems to, to, to do better targeting. Uh, I think many of us that live on Instagram over the summer that have been checking it uh, ha have found that if you've been on Instagram for a while, they can target you just fine uh, based on your profile. So we still say that, uh, you know, Meta for, for uh, on Instagram ha has incredible targeting. Many advertisers have been saying they're coming back to that platform given, given that targeting. I, I think, uh, you know, the bigger issue here really, you know, for Snap really was around just uh, the younger audience. And many of the advertisers we speak to are saying, we're going to where the wallets are. And the wallets aren't at Snap. The younger audience doesn't have the wallets. The, the older generation has the wallets. So there's a shift, I think, to Google. There's a shift back to Meta from some of the advertisers we spoke with. And obviously, TikTok is, is continuing to be a force that's taking oxygen out of the room for every ad player. Yeah, demographics clearly playing a role, especially in this environment uh, that appears to be a little bit tighter. Speaking of wallets, I'm just looking at free cash flow. Uh, which was down 27%. Uh, it's negative for Snap, uh, $147 million in the hole there. But yet they announced plans to repurchase about half a billion dollars of their own stock. Obviously, the stock is very cheap right now, so you can see that logic. But do you think now is the right time for them to be spending money on buybacks? I do. You know, I guess I'm shocked at how many analysts downgraded it here. I mean, we're we're at a pretty low multiple. I understand the visibility is pretty low, but when you look at where we're at uh, for the industry, uh, I, I clearly think that we're, we're at the, the bottom of this uh, rather than the top. So I think that they're signaling that, you know, that they have value. I mean, remember, this is a company not long ago that said they were going to grow 50% sustainably, and now we're growing zero. Uh, and, and again, if you look across all the digital ad players, you know, Twitter's number was negative this morning for the quarter. It's going to be worse in Q3. So if you think about like what's going on, there's a bigger issue going on in the industry right now that's not favorable for anyone, and that will come back. And so I think ultimately it's a great signal. When you look at the number of users that are on the platform, usage is growing on, on across these platforms. It's not a user issue. This is an ad-driven issue, and that's macro supply chain and, and concern about their own business and pulling back on spend. It's not like these ad dollars are going uh, back to newspapers or somewhere else. Uh, so uh, in my opinion, I, I think that this is pretty washed out. And for long-term holders, uh, I think this is a great opportunity down here. Hence, hence why you're keeping the buy rating. I mean, obviously, you haven't gotten it right so far, Brent, or at least not for a while. No, I haven't. But you keep the buy. Give me the numbers. I mean, just give me the compelling numbers that are keeping you at a buy. And I agree with you. You look at 13 downgrades this well, morning. It sort of I, I seems mean, silly in some ways. But... What are the numbers based on, you know, give me a give me an out year number here based I mean, on a David, multiple when, EBITDA or something. You, yeah. Yeah. When you think about when you think about in, the, you know, look, in the short term, this is at a two, three revenue multiple. You look at, yeah, no one really has any visibility. The company ripped away the the, the, the their visibility. I, I think ultimately we're seeing this is a technology issue. It's not even just an Internet or social media issue. We're seeing tech at a uh, low on multiples uh, in software. We peaked at 19 times revenue. Now we're at below six for the industry. So when we start to look at what terminal multiples are, 
Tomo Bravo, Vista, a number of these private equity vendors, they're paying seven to 10 times. You look at the Twitter takeout for Elon, that, that he, what he wanted to buy Twitter at, it's, it's 2x the multiple that Snap's trading at right now. I mean, is it, is it really that bad of an asset because there's one quarter where advertisers pulled back, it, which is obvious that we're headed into a macro storm and many of our economists at Jefferies are forecasting a recession in 23. So yeah. I, I think, look, this, is, this depends on your duration. I mean, th- this is, again, a company that I think uh, ha- has a user base that's growing. The advertisers are getting the ROI. They're, they're concerned about the macro. This is a canary in the coal mine for the broader macro environment. So, yeah. you know, uh, effectively, all of this have been wrong. Uh, there's been a lot of downgrades. And uh, uh, I, I certainly believe that, uh, that there's an opportunity across tech now. Um, many of our clients are still sitting on the sidelines. They're in energy, they're in financials, they're in other sectors, and they don't want to come back to this group until numbers are, are, are massively cut. Those I, cuts I know probably happen into the fall. Yeah, story of the market. Real quick, and I don't have a lot of time, but TikTok, does it, is, you know, are we understating how big a competitive threat that is to many of these other platforms? Because we don't have visibility there the way we otherwise would? I mean, they're a massive force. They're taking oxygen from all these vendors right now. There's no question. Uh, but I do think that uh, what's clear is there's multiple platforms that advertisers are going to be on. They're not going to just marry the one and, and say we're, we're committed for 20 years. That's not what's happening. So I think in the younger demographic, TikTok and Snap, uh, Instagram is still doing phenomenally well. We continue to hear good things on YouTube. So I, I think this is a collection of assets that, that advertisers are looking at. They're not going to vary to one. Uh, but TikTok, no doubt, has been the biggest share gainer a, a, against all of them. Uh, unfortunately, we obviously don't get all the numbers and where they're at. Yeah. But um, they're, they're gaining a massive share. Got it. Brent, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks. Coming up, uh, Verizon shares, we mentioned this, were also under pressure. This in reaction to the company's results and guidance. We will uh, go through those numbers. Let's give you another look at futures. About uh, 16 minutes or so before we get started with the last day of trading of the week. Kind of a mixed picture with the Dow looking to hire. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create. Like Olu Shei, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. All right, let's talk uh, of Verizon. You can see stock looks like it may open down 4%. It was weaker yesterday as well after we heard from AT&T. 
and investors reacted to a shortfall in free cash flow estimates from that company. Verizon, uh, the focus here is not necessarily as much on the working capital issues that AT&T seemed to have and um, what affected free cash flow. This is a subscriber story, at least starts off there, because they came in well below what had been anticipated in the consumer front especially, and of course that does represent 75% of revenue, 87% of EBITDA at the company. Uh, consumer postpaid phone, they lost 215,000 subs. Uh, they did add 30,000 Fios internet uh, subs, but that's a big loss. I mean, to put it in perspective, AT&T added more than 800,000 subs, and yet again on the free cash flow side, because they were spending more on, on device uh, payments, uh, not collecting as quickly from certain consumers as well. They came in with a lower free cash flow guy. Here, there's just a big cut in the EPS outlook. Uh, so we're talking now 510 to 525. Previously, it had been 540 to 555. And as well, uh, wireless revenue growth also lowered um, to 8.5, 9, 9 uh, from 9 to 10. Now, uh, Hans Vestberg, company CEO, did say, uh, quote, we're determined to improve our operational and financial performance for the second half of the year. We're being deliberate in our decisions to improve our profitable growth opportunities today and into the future. We're not talking about as many downgrades as Snap got this morning, but certainly the tone for many of the analysts is a bit of a surprise, particularly when it comes to that many. I mean, they were expected to add 125,000 subs right. instead they lost. And discounting was a factor here, too, which would explain why free cash flow was a problem at its main rival um, and why they saw you know, maybe fewer subs than they were expecting during the quarter because they were competing with discounts at the rivals and, and they kind of held steady. Uh, so perhaps their profitability looked a little better, but when you look at subscriber numbers, that's not a great, as, not That's strong. a great point. And I mean, that, that competition is only expected to potentially intensify if in fact we do have more pressure on the consumer. We'll see what that actually uh, means as well. There is still, the call's going on right now, so we will share more details as we get them. Uh, but keep an eye on shares of Verizon. Obviously, as we said, AT&T was already down sharply yesterday, but would seem to uh, be poised to add to those losses a bit today on this number. And then we haven't heard from uh, T-Mobile yet. And Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, the AT&T aspect about consumers being late paying their bills. Uh, just a, a nice, not a nice, but a, an indication, one of the few indications we have so far in earnings that consumers are starting to feel the pinch of inflation and it's resulting in behavior as it pertains to their ability to pay for things that are, are non-discretionary, like yeah. their phone bills. Your phone is one of the most important things, if not the single most important bill you probably pay every month in many ways. You're right. Um, it's such a mixed picture right now because, as you pointed out earlier, Leslie, American Express numbers were quite strong. Yeah. Haven't had a chance to see where that stock is anticipated to open. But there does seem to be a division between the lower end, sort of being under more pressure, and then mid to high, quite strong in terms of consumer and consumer spend right now, and the ability to obviously keep up with all their bills. No, it's a great point, because Amex obviously is associated with those that do want to be spending more on, say, luxury travel, dining and restaurants. Those were all big tailwinds for them during the quarter. Demographically, they saw a lot of baby boomers boost their spending during the quarter, people who may have been a little more resistant even over the last year or so to be going out, um, as well as millennials and Gen X. Those were up 48% during the quarter. So people are spending if they have the means to do so. It's those that are spending on things like 
gas and phone bills that may be starting to struggle a bit more given inflation. Yeah, uh, Amex card member spending up 30% from the year ago, and that is actually adjusting for FX. And they say travel and entertainment. People yep. want to travel. People are uh, also cashing in on their points, though, which increased their expenses about 32%. So, you know, you take the good with the... You got it Right. You haven't traveled in two years, and you've been spending money on other things, so you got a lot of points to use. Exactly. All right. Uh, a programming... Oh, actually, that's you. I'll read that. Yeah, sure. Please. Yeah. A programming note. Tonight's CNBC special is all about politics and profit. We'll explore issues including inflation and the Fed, the debate over funding for chips, and the ways... The midterms could impact your portfolio. The guest lineup, including Council of Economic Advisors Chair Cecilia Rouse and various business leaders. Be sure to tune in tonight at 6 Eastern. Before we go to the break, let's take a look at the future. Still a mixed picture, but the Dow, the standout here, implied to open about 130 points higher. More Squawk on the Street when we return. Whether you're shopping for grads, getting an early gift for dad, or just looking for a little something new or used for your shelf, you'll find it at HPB. And you'll get almost everything for an extra 20% off during the big sale at Half Price Books this Memorial Day weekend. Saturday, May 25th through Monday, May 27th. Save big in-store at your local Half Price Books and at HPB.com. Offer cannot be combined with other coupons. Exclusions apply. To learn more, visit HPB.com. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Well, you can take a look there at uh, Life of Snap. That's uh, not pretty. Not pretty. Um, unless you were a seller quite some time ago. Uh, obviously, a great beneficiary during the pandemic, as so many other companies were. Uh, but suffering lately from a significant slowdown in, uh, in digital advertising. And that stock is just collapsing today. 13 downgrades. we got an opening bell a few minutes away. Stay with us. Uh, let's take a look at shares of Paramount today. We got a downgrade from Moffat Nathanson. Uh, the name of the report, are we there yet? And they downgraded to an underperform. Spoke to Bob Backers. Was that last week? It's hard to keep track of time. All I think it together. was. Yes. I think it might have been. Uh, obviously, they have done better than some of their competitors in terms of uh, uh, attracting and keeping new subscribers to Paramount Plus. Uh, but their concern, you know, anyone with young children knows uh, how hearing this question over and over about are we there yet can wear out even the calmest driver. They think media investors are feeling something similar as they try to decipher the timing and shape of a slowdown. So this goes back to the same thing we've been talking about this morning, Leslie, in terms of just an overall slowdown, what, what it looks like in terms of a recession and what that will mean for advertising. This is not as much about um, direct-to-consumer as is about, hey, they, they still got some networks, one of them called CBS. Yeah, and Paramount, uh, at least their streaming platform, does still have ads. Um, they right. do note the difference, though, between the stickiness of these streaming ads, linear ads, versus, of course, digital advertising, which is a bit more malleable in terms of turning things on and off in response to various macroeconomic conditions. There are upfront commitments that take place with these big um, broadcast networks that are a little bit harder and, and much more um, lagging in terms of their ability to respond to the various 
macroeconomic concerns out there. So that has, you know, that provides some kind of support for the stock, perhaps. Yeah. But you can see still reacting negative. Uh, yeah, well, they've got an $18 price target um, and they uh, maintain a, a market reform ratings for their other coverage universe. But uh, 18 bucks obviously is their new price target there. I'm just trying to look at how they uh, get to that number. I don't have time to sort of look deeper into a report to do that for everybody. But, you know, a lot of what we've been talking about also goes to the broader market. Obviously, we've had strength this week, but there continues to be these questions about the low-end consumer and how much that's going to creep up. AT&T yesterday was certainly front and center for many people when it comes to that. Uh, then you wonder how the banks are faring on that front. Will they pull back at all in any way? Consumer card data looks pretty good still, though. And then we get Amex numbers that look quite good. Expect the same from Visa and MasterCard. Such a mixed picture in some ways. And we saw that with the banks last week, too. Every single bank that reported the strength of the consumer, but talked about the issues that they see on the horizon, which is kind of emblematic of what we're seeing with every single report that's come out since then. Consumer looks good if you have that exposure. It's the future that they're concerned about. Well, here we are with that opening bell today, and we're seeing the real time machine. See how we end up. Uh, I think we may end up with more green on that board. Relief International fighting global food insecurity. Uh, doing the honors here at the NASDAQ video analytics provider, Gorilla Technology. It's a recent listing via SPAC. We've had a few listings via SPAC. I mean, we may have... SPACs? They said they're all dead, but some of them are so still managing long. to get their deals done. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's, you know, there's still like 600 seeking <laughs> larger partners. So, you know. Just that many. A couple. Oh, if you to, yield a couple, then... Nothing you know, to worry about. Nothing to worry about. Uh, yeah, that market um, has obviously dipped pretty dramatically and there was a, a nice chart yesterday that someone tweeted which showed kind of like the full circle of the SPAC market. I mean we are we are literally back at 2019 levels when you look at kind of the SPAC issuance and, and just the prospect for new SPACs because the whole market's been saturated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, yeah, we'll, we'll do the animation. Why not? I love that sound. Uh, maybe we'll even give you the indexes, too, because Leslie spent a good amount of time. We both did reporting on this during, of course, the boom uh, time as well. But it is interesting, again, we've had this at least the third company, I think, that went public this week via SPAC. So some of them are getting to the finish line. That's your only index that you at least sort of can say, okay, that's SPACs that have yet to actually announce a deal. So they're just sitting there, they issued a 10, and they're hanging in there. Everything else is a disaster. Uh, that is, once you announce a deal, and then we even track you after you close the deal. So that's where you announced your deal, and then... Post-back. You haven't you actually go. done, you know, closed yeah. it, and then you close it, and you're just at 41% basically if you held on. That's you got 41 cents for every dollar you put in. Although you mentioned there have been three specs that have gone public recently. We haven't seen or a company any IPOs. Close. Right, they or that actually went right. Yes, these the, spec. Exactly. Um, but we haven't seen any IPOs. No. So at no. least someone's getting public somehow, I guess. I guess. There's I mean, and that showed up, obviously, in the bank earnings that you covered so closely for us earlier this week. Down about 90 percent, 85, 90 percent during the quarter was that you see on underwriting. Yeah. Because um, there's nothing. But you still have some big companies waiting. And then you've got the private market as well, where there have been. And we talked about this a few days ago, but I guess Instacart just keeps getting lower valuation. One of the biggest names out there. You can go through many of these, Instacart or Klarna, you know, pick your Stripe. company, Stripe, that have had significant valuation reductions. Sometimes it's a mark, and sometimes it's actually them raising money at a lower valuation. Correct. Yeah, there's a difference between a down round uh, and then these 409, 
409 appraisals, which is what you're seeing with Instacart and Stripe. These are something that kind of took place after the Enron debacle. The IRS wanted to make sure that companies weren't issuing options at high-in-the-sky valuations. They wanted to make sure there was some kind of process there. So they get these outside appraisals to determine what their, their stock price um, should be worth. And that's a combination of the comparables as well as their projections for future cash flows. But as you know, most of these private companies have zero cash flow. So the projections are somewhat pie-in-the-sky just by their nature. However, getting a lower valuation of 409 appraisal isn't necessarily the worst thing ever because they can use it for recruiting techniques. Hey, here's our, here are the options that we have at a lower valuation. We expect to go public whenever this whole economy improves at a higher valuation. That's going to make you rich. That's an so interesting point. Yeah, it can almost in some ways at least help attract talent and say we're at an inflection point or right, we're, we're at a low. Um, all right, back to the public markets. Uh, we talked about Snap for the first half hour, but let's take a look at how the stock is performing. Well, you can see there are some of the S&P gainers uh, overall. Uh, Amex is, of course, uh, amongst them. Leslie, which we've also talked about, a very strong quarter, reflective of a strong consumer, at, certainly at the higher end, the willingness of people to travel. But there's the, there's the loser du jour, no doubt. And having uh, also applying pressure on uh, Meta, which is down over 5% and on Alphabet. Obviously, far larger market caps in both of those names. And so a 5-plus percent loss at Meta Platforms uh, is, uh, is not an insignificant amount of money. No, I think it was about $80 billion total that we're looking at in lost market cap among so social stocks this morning just based off the heels of that report. But you have to question, and you brought this up earlier, this idea of competition. And you've got the behemoths out there. You've got TikTok out there. You've got other new players, such as Netflix, that are kind of getting more into the advertising market. When the pie is shrinking, what does that do to a company like Snap? And how would you look at that as potentially an idiosyncratic issue versus just an overall industry slowdown? Obviously, there is some macroeconomic pressure, but how much of that is Snap-specific, just given where they are amongst their, their, their peers versus you know, just an industry-wide concern. We'll get a sense next week, because that's when... Yeah, what do we get next week? Alphabet reports next I think, week? I'm, Amazon? Yeah. The A's, I think it's the A's. Okay, it's the, the A's. The big A's are next week. The big A's. Okay, good. I'm on vacation. I was going to say, so you'll I, be, I have you'll not be. been focused on what's reporting next week. I'm no, just focused you on... you should not. You should on long, enjoy your vacation. Long naps in the sun mm. is what I'm focused yeah, on. Yeah, that sounds nice. Um, overall, as we pointed out, it had been a very good week, in particular for technology names. You know, we saw Netflix report and actually a positive response to that. Yesterday, Tesla shares up dramatically and, in fact, following through ever so slightly today with a little bit of, a, let's call it a half a percent increase. But... Coming into today, one of the better weeks we've seen in some time for the NASDAQ comp in particular is there did seem to be some willingness of investors, although Brent Thill, we had earlier, seemed to disagree that there's still a willingness to come in off the sidelines. But there did appear to be in some names that we know well. Yeah, and it's interesting because you look ahead to next week's Fed meeting uh, and the prospect for any kind of commentary with regard to higher rates and what that's done for tech stocks so far, it's kind of surprising that you'd see the NASDAQ so much higher leading into it. But clearly the market is so focused on earnings right now and what they're getting from commentary, from management commentary. Um, the prospect for, you know, what rate increases means for them, just that's not what they're, they're trading on. Right. I uh, did want to do uh, a favor report for Friday, although we just got the news. Uh, this is a deal that I hadn't followed that closely, Sanderson Farms. You know, chickens and stuff like that. 
Uh, it was a deal that was announced almost a year ago. It's closing right now. Uh, in fact, they're going to be gone. 203 was the price. It's going to be removed. You're not going to see it anymore. Why? Because the deal's closed. Uh, and the deal is closing because they actually got through the DOJ. And that is one of the more interesting components of this deal. But there's a couple of other things I want to get to as well, including the performance of that stock. Look where it was. Um, but don't overlook the fact that they were able to reach a, uh, uh, a deal with the Department of Justice over their antitrust potential objections, giving concessions. The Journal wrote this up earlier in the week, and the stock actually started to come down, not up. More on that in a moment. But it does show, at least to some extent, uh, from people I'm speaking to, that there is a willingness on the part of the DOJ to work with some companies as opposed to just oppose a deal. Uh, as appeared early on to be the case here. Uh, their argument was, well, actually, we're going to be better for consumers in terms of, obviously, a very inflationary environment, better on prices uh, together than we would apart. So uh, they're getting the deal done. What's interesting about this deal, take a look at that price, 203. And that is where it's done. It was announced again almost a, almost a full year ago. Um, and since then, the chicken business has gone crazy, in a good way, at least if you raise chickens. Uh, we all know, of course, about food inflation. Well, it's, it's, it's shown its, uh, itself here as well. Chicken prices. I, I was asked for the chicken video. Thank you. I just Aww. like looking at At least these guys are all walking around. That's good. Sort of they look a little more free range. Nice to see that. Uh, chicken prices have gone crazy and margins for Sanderson Farms have followed. Uh, before the deal, they had about $245 million in cash on their balance sheet. Uh, as of the end of April, because of chicken prices and therefore the margins going up so dramatically, they had uh, another $584 million added to that in excess cash. That was the end of April. Since then, we could imagine they've added even more, hundreds of millions. The point here is that if this deal had been opposed by the DOJ, shareholders would have been happy because the stock would have traded far higher because business is so good. Yes, it's a cyclical business, but they have a huge, war, uh, a, a huge amount of cash that is now going to be Cargill and Continental Grains that would have potentially been dividended out in a special dividend to shareholders, could have been as much as $40 a share. Wow. And the stock on the basis of where EBITDA is right, uh, projected to be, some $1.45 billion for this year, when originally coming into the year, they'd look for $517 million. So it's a very rare case of a deal closing uh, at a price that is, that is far below where the stock would have traded right. otherwise. Exactly. I Usually it's the opposite. Yes, usually, usually it's it is the buyer's the remorse and people. One would imagine chickens that, in trying to get out of the deal. Right. This one, they they're chickens it. to stay in the deal. Stay in the deal. And you, one would imagine the high profitability of the business gave them, Leslie, a lot of flexibility with the DOJ in terms of making concessions yeah. as well. Although it's interesting that the DOJ did not oppose the deal and agreed with them that combining would be better for consumers because usually it's such that, especially in a commodities-oriented business, that combining would right. raise prices and, and had to that do would a, be a big concern. Exactly. It had to do with some of the concessions. But, you know, we've talked so often about the opposition of, of the FTC and the DOJ to potential transactions, but here's a case where they were able to come to an agreement. Mm. Interesting. That is an interesting story. Um, the broader markets aiming for a fourth consecutive day of gains, but a very Strong week for the broader indexes. Joining us now, All Spring Global Investments, Margie Patel and Luthold Group Chief Investment Strategist Jim Paulson. Thank you both very much for being here. Margie, let's start with you. Obviously, it has been 
uh, it, it's actually a nice to kind of close out a week on a, a relative high note here. Um, is this indicative to you of what's to come or is this just simply a bear market rally? No, I think it's a definitely a rebound, a sigh of relief that the market thinks the Fed is almost done. There are signs of weakening, slow labor and so forth. And so we can look forward in this scenario to seeing the Fed get ready to stop tightening and maybe even easing in the beginning of 23. And so we're seeing a big rebound. Standard Poor's is up 8% from the lows in June, and NASDAQ up 12%. And interest rates are down substantially. The 10-year Treasury spiked up to 3.5%. It's now below 3%. But I think we, we uh, the market is just going to flop around here. I'm hoping for big moves up. I think we're just in a trading range. Um, Jim, do you think that you know that there was some B of A data out this morning that showed that the market activity outflows actually haven't yet caught up caught up with some of the bearish sentiment that investors and consumers are reporting, um, and that risk assets aren't necessarily reflecting that yet? Do you agree with that, or do you think that the current environment is pretty much priced in at this point? I agree a lot with what Mar uh, Margie just said. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, with sentiment, Leslie, I think is really thoroughly washed out. I, this uh, bear market's got, you know, been six months in the making. Uh, nervous Nellies have had ample opportunity to get out of this market and sell out. I think much of the selling is done. It's more a matter now of, of uh, where the buying uh, shows up. I think there's a lot of uh, excess assets on the sidelines. Uh, that could come back in if people get convinced, as Margie said, that this is a beginning of a new rally. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I don't agree with that. I, I think uh, prices are washed out. Valuations are much improved. Sentiment is really sour. A lot of people are waiting around for the second leg of the bear. And I agree with Margie. I think the Fed's going to maybe do one more rate hike to two and a half. It puts the Fed funds rate in the same zip code as free market yields are, around 3%. I think they're going to be done at that. I think, I think this might be the last rate hike. And if the market continues to pick that up, I, I think as more and more people believe the Fed is done, uh, we'll, leave, we'll leave it with a positive slope yield curve. Recession fears will ease somewhat. And I think we've got a pretty decent rally here coming in the second half. Jim, what do you mean that people think the Fed is done? raising interest rates. Uh, there's an expectation they don't, they'll get all the way up to three and a half percent. Yep. I, I'm saying I think that, if, to Marty's point, inflation to me is clearly rolling over from commodity prices to core inflation rates to wage inflation. Uh, and I think the inflation environment is telling the Fed it's time to wrap this tightening cycle up. Real growth has weakened considerably, as you guys have been talking about. Uh, telling the Fed it's time to wrap this tightening cycle up. Bond yields, as Margie said, have stopped going up from two years to, to 30 years. Uh, it's telling the Fed that they're comfortable now with rates. They don't need to raise them a lot more. And break-even rates, Leslie, the one-year break-even rate's gone from 6.5% in end of March to 3.5% today. It'll be back close to the 2% Fed target by September. So I can see the Fed doing 75 here in the July meeting, but by September, I think the case for further tightening is going to be gone. That's my view. Hmm. Margie, do you believe that the economy is rolling over at this point? And then if so, what tools does the Fed really have uh, to, to ease from here? I mean, there, there's so much blame that's gone around with regard to QE and 
how responsible or not responsible it is for the inflation situation we're in right now, they probably won't be too quick to do any of that anytime soon. Yeah, so here I kind of caught in a box because inflation is high, likely to stay very high. But clearly, our economy is rolling over, globally economies are rolling over, and all over the world, central banks are tapped out. They borrowed so much money to spend for COVID, they really don't have any money left now to stimulate their economies, to help offset inflation of food and fuel and so forth. So they really don't have a lot of maneuverability. Uh, I think the Fed, is, as Jim said, they may well slow down on the rate hikes, but I'm not so sure they're ready to stop because inflation may well continue to be high. So I think we're going to see this two kind of markets of one, the more zero interest rate market growth stocks that blew up in the last uh, year due to a huge rise over the last, say, half decade and uh, more interest by investors on the sideline in companies that have more steady growing characteristics. So we saw social media sort of blow up, but the more uh, ordinary companies, industrials, technology, healthcare, I think will do fine. Although I do think growth is going to be more slow over the next year. So perhaps a little bit of a chugging along with regard to economic growth and corporate earnings, uh, you know, regardless of what we see with the inflation picture. Margie and Jim, thank you both very much. Have a nice weekend. Thanks. Well, PMI data just hit the tape. Let's get over to Rick Santelli for that. Rick. David, these are really, really weak numbers. These are preliminary PMIs on manufacturing, 523 That's the lightest since July of 2020. In terms of the services, the larger swath of the U.S. economy, 47.0, a huge miss. We're looking for a number consistent with the end of last month at 52.7. That's the weakest since May of 2020. And finally, on the comp, the composition of all the PMIs, 47.5, also the weakest since May of 2020. These aren't good numbers. They're preliminary. In a couple of weeks, they may change, but they do give us some insight as to why interest rates may be going down. Currently, the 10-year is down 10 basis points on the day. It is down 14 basis points on the week. Squawk on the Street will return after a short break. It is time for the bond report. Let's give you a quick look at how treasuries are faring this morning. You can see yields down across the board and that uh, two-year, 10-year, that's still got the two-year well above in terms of yield. We'll uh, we'll be right back. Well, prices, uh, well, you see up today, remaining volatile, weakening demand, tighter supply, the latest. Uh, joining us to discuss uh, is City's head of, uh, global head of commodities research, Ed Morris. Ed, always good to check in with you, which we've been doing somewhat regularly. What are the latest things people should be aware of when it comes to the markets that you follow? Obviously, the key one being oil around the world. I think two of the interesting things that are happening this week, even with the price bumping around as it has been, is that time spreads are coming in, particularly on WTI. That is the backwardation in the market or the signal that the market is very tight are now showing signs of looseness. And this is something to watch the uh, cracks or the profitability of making gasoline and diesel are also coming in, another sign that we may see some loosening up in the market. And of course, what this is reflecting in a way is where the summer has been to date when it comes to driving season. Uh, We're seeing virtually no driving season in the U.S., at least when it comes to data for gasoline demand. Gasoline demand is way down, a function of some combination of high prices and an economic slowdown that must be at work. 
So interesting. So we've had that demand destruction that we all talked about was a possibility, I guess. I mean, what are your expectations from here? Well, we think we're going to continue with that because the economy is showing signs of weakness. It's intriguing on the demand. Our gasoline demand and our diesel demand is lower than any year going back other than, of course, the 2020 pandemic year, going back 10 years, 2012, 2013. Um, and uh, year on year, it's down for the last three weeks, about a million barrels a day. That's a sign that nobody really was anticipating. Um, and it's a combination, I think, of where high prices are. It's also an indication that inflation might be coming down. We're seeing signs of that on the major grains as well. Wheat, soybeans, corn uh, are all slowly going down. Gasoline prices have been down for like a month straight. Uh, so uh, that's good for the consumer in the longer run for sure. Ed, I know you moonlight also as a part-time meteorologist, or you have to for your job. What's the impact of the hot weather across the globe, as well as the potential uh, for hurricane season, which is quickly approaching? Well, here you really uh, are going into where we have to go, because uh, while we are seeing a slowdown in demand, we're seeing horrendous weather conditions. We're seeing the hottest weather in the Northern Hemisphere ever. That includes China, North America, as we well know, wherever we're sitting in North America and in Europe. Uh, and look at London with you know 38 degrees centigrade weather. Uh, we're seeing a hot, dry weather that uh, is bringing electricity prices up uh, everywhere in the world you can look. Uh, we're seeing blackouts everywhere in the world you can look. Uh, and these uh, are not gonna end anytime soon, given the expectations for hot weather, particularly west of the Mississippi for the remainder of the summer. But then, as you mentioned, there's a hurricane season uh, and it's the real wild card on the pricing side. Uh, we normally don't have the third named storm until August 3rd. We had the third named storm in the month of June. We've had the ninth named storm already. So we've been kind of relatively free in the Caribbean, in the Gulf Coast of the U.S. and the East Coast of the U.S. so far. But with a prediction of 24 named storms, uh, three to six uh, category three or higher hurricanes uh, in the forecast, uh, we have to watch out because this could bring down U.S. production in the Gulf yeah. of Mexico. It could bring down the refining system in the U.S. Gulf. So it's, right. it is the wild card that, that, that we have to look at. Ed, always good to check in. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. When we come back, more reaction to those results from SNAP. Of course, it isn't good. You can take a look at that right there on your screen. And remember, Jim Cramer, well, he'll be back Monday morning. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. How about Captain Crunch's Crunch Berries with breakfast? Whoa, Dad, we're on. Crunch Island. He's <gasps> Jean foot. <laughs> and he stole our crunch. Quick, the zip line. He's getting away. Throw our last Crunch Berry. No! No one steals my crunch berries. I think you mean my crunch berries. Choose your own crunch venture with Captain Crunch. 